Pastor. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church, proud pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of worship today in the overflow. Any of you joining us on video, God bless you. We love you so much, and we cannot express to you our gratitude to God for the opportunity to share with you in this way. Uh, everybody open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26, a very basic message today, a very basic message about the spiritual life and, and the life that we live in, in Christ. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's an easy one to hear. For some of us, it's difficult. I want to talk about giving today. I want to talk about giving. Uh, don't get nervous. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, one of the first stories we read, one of the oldest uh, lies in the book, is the one that the devil tells to Adam and Eve in the garden. You remember that? Uh, when the serpent comes to tempt Adam and Eve, he does so with, with a lie, a single lie. And the basic lie is the reason that God has withheld this fruit from this tree from you is because God doesn't want you to be like him. It's, it's this idea that God is a God who withholds, that God is a God who wants to take something away from us or wants to keep good things from us. Isn't that amazing that the devil is able to get away with that lie? That God is a God who withholds, that God is a God who wants to keep good things from us. If there's one thing very clear in Scripture, it is that God is not a taker. God is, is a giver. Book of Romans says, since God did not withhold from us his only son but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us what? Everything else. He's given us his son. Will he not also give us everything else? God is a giver. Now, this is basic. This is basic. The, the picture of God, the, the, the notion that you have of God in your head is going to determine everything about the way you serve him and everything about the way you give back to him. We really did it last night. We really, really did have a Baptist prom. I don't know if there's ever been one. Having been through one now, I don't, I don't, I think I know why there hasn't been one, actually. <laughs> but it was just so, so, so amazing. And I know that some people worry about that. They just think that probably we shouldn't have that much fun. Um, it was really something. And my favorite moment was, was when JC and Brenda Maxwell kind of, kind of cleared the dance floor. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew when Wild Thing, and, and yeah, we, we, did, we played Wild Thing. When Wild Thing came on, because uh, see, this is J.C. Maxwell's favorite song. <laughs> I'm not making it up, J.C., your favorite song, right? And you have asked that the choir sing that at your funeral, right? <laughs> that, that is his song. Uh, so anyway, when it happened, it was just magical, and, and everybody just backed up because you knew to get out of the way. And J.C. was on this side, and Brenda was on this side. And all of a sudden, J.C. started moving toward her like some sort of rhythmic jungle cat. <laughs> and, and honestly, now listen, young people, because you, you think you know stuff, but you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. <laughs> J.C. just started kind of doing this. And then, no, 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 seriously. Then he started growling and pawing at her like this. Growl. <laughs> Growl. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. Where did you see that? Did you make that up? Rawr. Rawr. 
Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't ever do that again. <laughs> oh no. Oh. It's just wonderful to turn that loose, you know, and to, uh, to see a man who is that passionate for his wife. Uh, it's, 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 it's just beautiful. And if anybody were to say that that wouldn't be appropriate for God's people, just to uh, enjoy a marriage and to uh, dance and celebrate and laugh and laugh and laugh and, and, and laugh, then, then I really, I would want to talk about your picture of what you think God is like. God is an amazing God who created all things for his own pleasure, understand? And he is a God who wants to give us all things. He is a God of, of giving and, and not taking. He is a God of blessing and not withholding. And that brings us to Deuteronomy chapter 26. This is Old Testament. It's one of the places where the instructions for worship are given and honestly, this is one of the places where the instructions for tithing, uh, instructions for tithing are, are given. Tithing is just the, is just the biblical principle that, that a person who belongs to God will set aside a tenth, one tenth of whatever God gives them, that they set aside a tenth of that and they give it back to God in worship. We still practice that. I practice that personally. Casey and I do. You take a tenth of whatever God gives you, a tenth of your income, and you give that back to God in worship. Now, now, when you hear that, and perhaps often the way it's preached, you just think that God wants to take money out of your pocket. God wants to take away from you. But, but this scripture brings us back to everything that is behind our tithe bringing to God. And, and I want you to zero in on it with me. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession and you have conquered it and settled there, put some of the first produce from each crop you harvest into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Go to the priest in charge at that time and say to him, with this gift, I acknowledge to the Lord your God that I have entered the land he swore to our ancestors he would give us. The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. You must then say in the presence of the Lord your God, my ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived, few in number, but in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard our cries and saw our hardship, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and powerful arm, with overwhelming terror, and with miraculous signs and wonders, he brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O oh Lord, I have brought you the first portion of the harvest you have given me from the ground. Then place the produce before the Lord your God and bow to the ground in worship before him. Afterward, you may go and feast, celebrate, you may feast 
with all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Remember to include the Levites, those are the church staff. Remember to include the Levites and the foreigners living among you in the feast, in the celebration. Used to, there was a, a, a bumper sticker uh, that you would see a lot on the, on the back of cars, and it would say, if you can read this, thank a teacher. You ever see that? If you can read this, thank a teacher. It's kind of interesting because it, it, it is intended to make you pause and think. If you can read this, thank a, a teacher. The fact of the matter is, if you can read that, there's definitely a time in your life when you could not have read that. And that's part of what you're supposed to understand. That you couldn't always read. I read. I read like crazy. I have a Kindle on my iPad. I read nearly nonstop. I love to read. And I read so often and so much, I just take for granted that I read. And I forget that it hasn't always been so. And when I forget that, then I forget being a six-year-old little boy who walked into Rich Pond Elementary School. And there was a woman named Marjorie Bonds, the most wonderful lady in the world, who began teaching me to read. Miss Bonds, and then I had her for second grade too. I did not flunk, I promise, but I had her for second grade too. And then Miss Johnson, and, and these were wonderful, wonderful women, all of them women, who taught me to do something amazing, to, to look at words on a page and, and get meaning from that. If you can read this, the sticker says, thank a teacher. Seeing that bumper sticker is intended to make you remember something to make you acknowledge a debt, a real debt that you owe. Because in our lives, remembering, the act of remembering tends to make us grateful. You with me? And that's why this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 26 is so much about remembering because there's something very, very important, an important link between remembering memory and, and being grateful. Let's be honest, most of us are not very grateful. Now, but back to the passage. It's Deuteronomy. What do you know about Deuteronomy? It was written by Deutero. No, it was written by, yeah. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Go back and see. I want you to see because it really matters. This is a really interesting part of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verse 1, these are the words, verse 1, these are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River, camped in the Jordan Valley near Sue. So understand the setting, because that's really interesting, especially when you go back to chapter 26 and read that passage. This whole book, all of Deuteronomy, is really Moses' words to the people before they cross into the promised land. You get that? It's, this is before they cross into the promised land. So chapter 26, these very detailed instructions for worship. Very detailed instructions about how you're actually going to worship, not so much tomorrow, but, but in years to come. And honestly, if you look at the instructions carefully, you'll realize that really we're talking about how we're going to teach our children and our children's children to worship. This is all given. All of these instructions are given before anybody steps foot in the land of milk and honey. 
Do you see that? And the really important thing is that in that day, after you're in the land of milk and honey, and after you've had children, and your children have had children, I want you to worship in a very particular way. I want you to continue bringing back a tithe. I want you to continue bringing back an offering to me. And when you bring that offering, I want you to remember. I want your children to remember. Because there is a tremendous danger in forgetting. You understand that? You see, these people, the parents, those standing on the east side of the Jordan River, they've seen things. They've seen things that nobody on earth has ever seen. And they have seen the face of a God that no one else on earth has ever imagined. And this God has heard their cries. And this God has done for them what no God, what no power could ever accomplish. They have seen God. God has chosen them. And God has delivered them. And they know and they understand some things that future generations will be very, very, uh, very negligent and always tempted to forget. See, we're not so much talking about now. We're talking about later. We're talking about sometime in the future after, after the manna ceases to just fall from the sky. And after that path through the Red Sea has closed up. And after Pharaoh and his armies have washed up on the bank, and after the people have walked into this land of milk and honey, and after they have built houses, and after they've settled, and after they've had children, and their children's children, there is this tremendous danger that after all of this has passed, they will go into that land, they will eat, they will be satisfied, and they will forget. You understand? Eating and being satisfied makes us forgetful, makes us forgetful. I hope you understand, this is us. This is us. So forgetful. Eating and being satisfied, living in that land of milk and honey, the the, the real spiritual danger, and it's a devastating danger, is to forget. To forget that All of these blessings that you enjoy, you don't deserve. You forget that. Because the blessings are every day, and because God continues to give and give and give to us, we just simply begin to take for granted that somehow we're entitled to it. You understand? Because it's always there, we just begin to take it for granted, and and, and therefore... Taking it for granted, taking all of God's blessings for granted, we no longer realize that we are blessed. There's a man who lived outside of Philadelphia. He was a carpenter. And because of weather and other things, he had not had work for some time. They're really struggling. He and his wife had six kids. Six kids. And it was a... Uh, uh, the beginning of a, of a new school year, and all six kids, all, all six kids really needed shoes, shoes. This guy was just really angry with himself, uh, angry a little bit with God, that, that at this point in his life, as hard as he'd always tried to work, that he couldn't really even afford to buy shoes for his kids. On top of that, the washing machine broke down, because you know these things always happen together. 
so he's in this situation of, of needing either shoes for his kids or, or, or washing machines so that, so that his wife could continue to, to, to do the clothes. And they decided to go for the washing machine first. It seemed like the more pressing need. He looked in the one ad newspaper. He found a used washing machine uh, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And he actually drove up into what turned out to be a really nice neighborhood, which just kind of made him sick, you know? It's just a really nice house. And he knocked on the door, and the man who was selling a washing machine was younger than he was. And he and his wife were there, and they were attractive in this beautiful house. And he just opened the door and realized that this couple has everything that, everything that you could possibly want. It's just kind of embarrassing to be buying a used washing machine, but that's what he was doing. As he walked in, he introduced himself, and he tried to save a little bit of face by explaining that the weather's been bad, and he just hadn't had a lot of work as a carpenter, and he had six kids, I mean six kids. And he said to the man, do you have any idea what six kids is like? And the man said, no, man, we just have one. We just have one son. He said, oh, my goodness, well, let me tell you about six kids. Oh, that's 12 feet. They have 12 feet, and all six of my kids need shoes all at the same time and a washing machine. I don't know what I'm going to do. I tell you, I could just, maybe if I could just give four of them away. It, he was just talking like that. And in the middle of talking about his six kids and their 12 feet and, and, and the shoes he couldn't afford, the woman who was standing there with her husband, the woman teared up and left the room. She teared up and left the room. The man said, I'm sorry, did I offend your wife somehow? I, I, you know, I just, I'll, I'll get the washing machine, I'll leave. And he said, no, no, you didn't offend my wife. It's just that you're talking about shoes for your kids. Our son, um, he was born paralyzed. And in our whole lives, his feet have never touched the ground. And, and we've never, ever bought a pair of shoes for our son. Tell you one thing, here's a man who bought a used washing machine and he walked back home and he opened the door and there was this mountain of worn out shoes in his front room, a mountain of shoes that were just worn out from kids uh, playing basketball and cheerleading and running through the woods and riding bikes. These shoes were just worn out and, and he just thanked God for worn out shoes. A lady was trying to practice gratitude at home one day when she was doing housework. Ever done housework? Our mothers and grandmothers used to do it. She was starting out in, in, in the daytime, and, and she walked into the kitchen, and there was this kitchen sink full of dishes. And this doesn't happen at your house, but it happens at our house. Full of dishes from, like, Thursday. And the woman, just, her first instinct was to complain about all these dirty dishes and the stench in the kitchen and the family that wouldn't help in all of that. But then looking at those dishes, she just said, no, God, thank you for food. Thank you that my family eats so well. Thank you for all of these dirty dishes. She walked into a living room that was completely littered with junk from her kids, her teenagers. I mean, shoes and books and sports equipment and junk. And she first wants, wants to complain about it all, but then she has to say, God, thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids. She walked into the laundry room and saw this amazing mountain of dirty clothes. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't you just like to pour gasoline on them sometimes and just torch it? 
But she says, God, thank you for clothes. Thank you that my family, that I have clothes to wear, a mountain of clothes. She walked into the bedrooms and saw unmade beds, unmade beds. And she said, God, those beds are so comfortable at night. Thank you, God, for beds. Do you understand? It's, it's a danger, and it is a devastating danger that you and I take all this for granted because it's just always there. The dirty dishes are always there. The, the, the dirty clothes, the unmade beds. I mean, the, the, these things are around us all the time. The, the, the car, the, the school, the, the hair, as the children said in the children's sermon. I mean, these things are with us. And so we just begin to take them for granted. We just assume that, that somehow we're entitled to these things, that, that, that we're just going to have clothes or, or food or, or shelter. And, and we've forgotten. When this happens, we forget. And we need to remember. And God knows we need to remember because remembering makes us grateful. And when we are grateful, we begin to look back at the source of where all these good things come from. You understand? When you remember, then you begin to acknowledge the source. And guess what? You're not the source. I know that you work very, very hard. I, I work hard too. And sometimes I think, my goodness, I deserve these good things. I work so hard. But do you understand? Where do I get the health and strength to work? It all comes from God. Everything comes from God. And God knows that when these children of Israel come into this land flowing with milk and honey, that the greatest danger for them is just to begin to take it off for granted. The everyday blessings that, that our parents and grandparents couldn't even dream of. You understand? You're living their dream. You have all of these blessings and you have forgotten, completely forgotten where it all comes from. God is a giver. He withholds nothing from us. He just gives and gives and gives. Well, Brother Tim, it's easy for you to say because, you know, you haven't really said, I've seen your house and you haven't seen my house. You understand? You have a house. You have a house. It's not about comparing what you had to what other people have. You understand? I don't deserve anything. You don't deserve anything. It's only by the grace of God that we have anything at all. He's a giver. He just gives. We deserve none of it. And yet it just pleases him to give us all things. He just gives and gives and gives. So here's the commandment. Teach it to your children, he says. When you are in this land and in the years to come, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this regularly. I want you to stop. And when you have a harvest, when you have an income... First thing you do is you set aside the first tenth of that, the first tenth. In other words, it's probably some of the best of it, but you set that aside first. You don't wait till after you fed your family and put some stuff up in the pantry and then whatever's left over, then you take that. No, you take the first, the first. It's a principle that, that you put God first. And so when you have this income, when you have this harvest, you set aside a tent, and the first thing you do is stop everything, and you bring that back to the house of God. You bring that tithe into the house of God. And there, 
case, it was, it was fruit. It was a harvest because understand, that's their currency. That's their currency. They have no paper money, and many of the people w- wouldn't really even have any coins. Th- th- but they have harvest. They have fruit. They have animals. And that's why in the Old Testament, when they come to church, their offering is usually something from their farm, something from their livelihood, an animal, in this case, fruit. You bring back what God gives you, and you bring a tenth of that, and you bring it first, and you bring it to God. But here's the interesting part. When you bring it, you need to say some words. You need to tell a story. And this is amazing. Verse 5. You must say in the presence of the Lord your God. This is as you're bringing your tithe. My ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord our God, and he heard our cries, saw our hardship, toil, and oppression, And he brought us out. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because remember, these are instructions given long before the children and grandchildren are on the scene. But this is how you're going to raise them, Moses says. You teach them to bring back a tent. You teach them to keep coming back to God, the source of all blessings. And as they're bringing it, go ahead and have them learn this story. Go ahead and have them tell a story about how their father was a wandering Aramean and how we were all once slaves in Egypt, but God heard our cries and God delivered us. You see, it's this really important part. They have to tell this story like it's their story. We were slaves in Egypt when they were never slaves. I mean, these are the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, the great-great-grandchildren. They've never even been to Egypt. You understand? They had never really been slaves. We're talking about their ancestors, but when they come into the house of God on this day, bringing their tithe, they need to just be ready to tell the story. We were slaves in Egypt. God heard our cries, and God delivered us. What's that about? Why is it so important that that we as the children learn how to tell a, a bigger story? You know, when I think about my story... I guess I would say my great-great-grandfather was a wandering German. They were Germans. Um, they settled in a, a little place outside of Simpson County that if you live in Franklin, uh, and, and Franklin people are cool, don't, don't rush me, um, but in Franklin they call it Schweizer because it's Franklin, Schweizer. Um, it's a long, long time until I understand that that community, if you pronounce it correctly, would be called Schweitzer. It was a German community. I really didn't understand anything about my family growing up. They used to talk about my great-great-grandmother. They called her Mammy Ducher. <laughs> Again, it's Franklin. Mammy Ducher. Her, her last name was not Ducher. It was Rosendeutzer. It's German. Mammy Ducher didn't speak English. And I used to think, well, what was she, dumb? Why didn't she speak English? She, I really never understood what they were telling me. I didn't understand until I was in seminary. I'm probably 20, 
23, 24 years old. I was working for an art gallery and I was uh, organizing and mounting a photo exhibition of religious life in the state of Kentucky. And in the archives of one of these museums, I found this picture of all of these German people, very German people. They look like, like cartoon German people, only they were real, and they were from the 1800s, and they were sitting on this front porch with these giant steins of, I guess, beer. We don't drink it anymore in my family, but, but you know, I guess they did these giant steins of beer. And then at the bottom, it said, German immigrants in the Schweizer community, Franklin, Kentucky. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if Mammy Ducher's in there. My, my family were, were, were Germans. Two of my grandfathers were alcoholics, maybe from those giant beer steins. And I, I know a story about how my great-grandfather once was drunk and dragged my great-grandmother down the street by her hair. That's part of my story, too. My mom and dad used to tell stories. <laughs> I remember we were small, and, and uh, y'all know my parents. They, they're just plain, plain as cornbread. And my mom was talking, and uh, somebody's name came up. This man's name came up. And uh, I forget his name. I won't say it. But anyway, I said, who's he? And my mama said, well, he was almost your daddy. Mama, what are you saying? And she said, well, before I met Don Harris, I dated him. You dated? Almost my daddy, you dated? I mean, it was this guy that my mom dated in high school and and before she met Don Harris, and, and, and what? My mother dated other guys? I, I, I'm, no, mama, no. <laughs> I uh, used to have a cedar chest in our living room, and uh, in the top of the cedar chest were all of these letters that, that my dad, Don Harris, wrote to my mom when he was in the service. Uh, and when I was a kid, I would open the cedar chest and just go through that stuff because, you know, there was nothing to do when I was a kid. And uh, I, I mean, several times, my sister and I would, would get those letters, and we'd start to open them. And my mother has this radar because when you get in those letters, she knows it from wherever she is. And she would immediately rush and say, put those down, put those up. You're never going to read those. At their funeral, <laughs> we're going to pass them around, people. We're going to pass them around. They're uh, love letters, <laughs> love letters of, 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 of my dad to my mom, and uh, oh, I'm going to read them when they're gone. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read them. Um, because somehow I'm in those letters, understand? And somehow I'm with that drunken man dragging the woman down the street by her hair and, and somehow I'm on that front porch in Schweizer community in Franklin with all those German immigrants that the point is um, I am a very small character in a, in a, in a great big story it's, it's great big it's so much bigger than I am 
And, and honestly, it's, it's bigger than my family. It, it goes beyond and above the, the, my family back in Germany and, and, and the woman who was a Cherokee Indian that, that my, that my great-grandfather married. And it's so far beyond all of that. And this is what God says he wants when, when people come to worship and when they bring their tithe. He wants them to, to understand that they are somehow small in this giant story. And it's not just a family story. It's the story of, of, of God's work in the world. It's, it's the salvation story. It's the marvelous plan that, that God's grace has wrought to bring salvation to the entire world. It's this amazing story of a journey of people that God continues to choose and bless and, and deliver and love. You know, I, when I think about this story, the story that, that I'm a part of, all the most important moments are the God moments. Understand? It's, it's the God moments. It's the moment when my grandfather put down alcohol and never drank another drop. It's the moment when my mother, thank God, didn't marry that guy and, and married Don Harris who had a nice car. It's, it's that moment. It's God working in this phenomenal way that all adds up to blessing for my life. And that's why the instructions are, when you're blessed in this way, you bring a part of that and you come back to God with it. And as you do, you just, you just keep repeating a great big story you're part of and it goes way back before you and it will continue way after you're gone it's it's God's story it's God's story he's the main character in it you have a very very small part it's, it's his story remember it tell it teach it to your children keep repeating it to yourself tell that story and as you do you bring with you a tithe you bring the tithe, and you bring it to the priest, and you lay it there at the altar. In this case, fruit, first fruits. What's that about? Because I, I know some of you right now are thinking, Brother Tim, this goes to money. I know you're going to talk on money. You preach, oh, preachers always preach on money. No, I don't. Preachers always preach on money, you're saying. And, and, and this is about you trying to get more money for the church. Got a building out there. Somebody's got to pay for it. I reckon you think it's got to be us. You are so missing the point. You're so missing the point. Even in this scripture, when God tells everybody to bring him fruit, are you really thinking God eats fruit? Are, are, are you that, that dense? Are you really thinking that this is a story about God trying to get fruit? No. No. Read almost all of these stories about tithe bringing in the Old Testament because they all end in the very same way. They all end in the very same way. Bring the tithe, the Lord says. Bring that tenth. You, you bring it to me. You, you bring a tenth. And in their case, it was almost always something to eat because that's what they had, animals, meat, fruit. You bring the tithe, you bring it to the altar, and you lay it there at the altar, and, and you tell this story, the story of salvation, and you find your place in the story of salvation. 
and then celebrate. I mean, that's part of the commandment. Understand that? Celebrate. Feast. Feast on what? Well, I have a feeling on this day they're eating fruit. That's the instruction. God tells them to bring the, bring the tithe, bring it to him, bring the animals, bring the fruit, bring the first fruits of all you have. You bring that in, you lay it down at the altar, and then just feast, eat, and celebrate in my presence. That's what God says. You eat and you celebrate, you feast in my presence. All of the tithing instructions, these passages always lead to a very same picture. The picture of all of God's people, they're in God's presence, celebrating with joy. You're thinking God wants fruit? You're thinking God wants your money? My friend. Brother Tim, if, if it's coming down to the tenth, you need to understand, I can't afford that. I'm not arguing with you. It's totally between you and God. I think you'd have a hard time telling God that. Teenage boy got his very first job at the pretzel store in the mall. He was trying to uh, begin to make payments on a car he just, that daddy had helped him buy. He got that very first paycheck. Remember your very first paycheck? He felt so rich. I mean, for a moment, he looked at that check and he saw his name with money. And for a moment, he felt really, really rich. And he showed it to his dad. And, and his dad said, wow, that's really cool, son. That's your first paycheck. Son disappeared into his bedroom for a while with that paycheck. He came back out in a few minutes. He said, Dad, I'm looking at this check. And I'm looking at how much I'm going to have to pay on my car. And, uh, and, and you say, I've got to start paying for, you know, for some of my Friday nights. And, Dad, I'm not sure I can afford to tithe. Do you know that kid? For the, he's holding more money than he's ever had in his whole life. Understand? His very first paycheck. More money than he's had in his whole life. And immediately it dawns on him, I can't afford to tithe. Can't afford to give anything back to God. This check's already been spent. Really? Really? You can, you can say that if you want, but all I know is um, God's given you everything you have. He gives you all of it, and he knows what he gave you. He knows what you have. He knows exactly what you have. And God's never asked anything from anybody that he didn't already provide for them to give back. It all comes from him, you understand? doesn't want your money and it's not a money issue it's a heart issue the reason that all of these tithing passages end with God's people and God's presence celebrating with a feast before him God doesn't want their fruit God wants them God wants them in his house feasting and laughing and celebrating like your grandma wants you on Thanksgiving, do you understand? God wants his children he just wants you 
let me just remind you when you give him yourself there's just nothing else you don't want to give it all belongs to him pray with me God forgive us for falling for the oldest lie in the book that you are a God who takes that you are a God who withholds that you are a God who wants to kill our fun that you are a God who wants to take away from us what we don't even feel like we have God help us it is the oldest lie in the book you oh God you gave your only son for us and having given your son we know there is nothing else you would ever withhold from us. But you can't give us anything, Lord, until you have us, until we are in your family, until we are in the place where your grace flows. So, God, I pray that you would bring us to you today. Lord, there are some very, very blessed people in the sound of my voice who have forgotten where it all comes from. There are some very small characters in a very big story who have begun to think that the story's all about them. Oh God, shrink us down. Help us to disappear and find our place in this large, large story of a great God who loves us greatly and who gives to us generously, more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And a God who continues to ask us to return to him. Simply that we might enjoy the riches of his presence. Oh God, bring us into your presence today with joy. Help us, Lord, to give ourselves and hold nothing back. As we come into the presence of you, oh God who gave us yourself and holds no blessing back. We love you, Lord. Receive our worship as an offering of praise today. Receive our tithes and offerings. These are small, small portions of all you've given us. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us. May we never, ever forget and always, always remember that all good things come from you. We pray in humble gratitude because of Jesus. Amen.